So, welcome back. My name is Mariah Hatch, and tonight I'm talking to Audrey. Hello. <laughs> um, Audrey is my sister-in-law, and she's been going through some major life trials, and so I kind of wanted to sit down and ask her some questions and stuff. I kind of regret that we've already talked about this this weekend or this <laughs> week because. Yeah, as but, it happens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But still, I think a lot of the stuff we've talked about needs to be heard by other people. I think this your situation can help others, and it's always helpful to talk about what you're going through. So um, tell me about, you know, the cyst and what's going on. So it is a large ovarian cyst. I kind of started feeling it sometime in January or February time. Um, which was when we were in Utah, and we were both kind of struggling financially. My husband hadn't quite graduated from school, um, so we didn't have health insurance. We hadn't actually even seen a doctor since we'd gotten married. Um, so it was just, I, I honestly, I started feeling the pain and thought it would just go away on its own, mm -hmm. um, which is typically what cysts do. Yeah. Um, but as the pain got worse, uh, we decided that after we got back to Arizona that it would be something we need to look into. Um, mainly because we just didn't have the resources to go to a doctor in Utah, mm -hmm. um, which looking back on it probably wasn't true. <laughs> but hindsight is twenty twenty. What do you do? <laughs> um, so I went and saw a, uh, a very good physician that was recommended to us by several people, including my mom, um, because he helped deliver some of my siblings. Yes. So, yeah, and he was still in practice. It was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so I went and saw him, and he took an ultrasound, and I don't remember what else it was, but it was like a, a scope of some sort that was inserted inside okay. so that he could get a better image of what it looked like in there. Um, and it's a 12 centimeter by eight centimeter cyst. It's quite large. Um, it, it does physically hurt if it is, uh, pressed on too much. Um, sometimes even just laying on my stomach on certain days just yeah. is not comfortable. Um, and it's on one of your ovaries? It's on the right side. Yeah. Okay. It's on one of my ovaries. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's big enough that when I lay down, you can see, the lump where it's at. Oh my yeah. Do your jeans hurt it then? Um, I usually have to adjust and kind of pull it up over the top. Yeah. Um, but yeah, lo lower um, jeans or skirts or, or, or anything like that, yeah, it will sometimes bother me. Um, I've had issues with, uh, with bowel movements, with my periods. They've been super irregular. Um, more painful than usual as well because oh the uterus falls up and everything is just getting pushed, pushed together. So yeah, I wouldn't have even thought of that. Yeah, yeah. it's super fun. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so after I saw the initial doctor, he uh, referred me to get a CAT scan, which makes sense. Um, so I went and got the CAT scan done. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Never done it before, so that was crazy. Yeah. Um, but they got the imaging back, and there was something in the image, something in there that made them wonder if it was cancer. So that's when they referred me to a cancer specialist, and he took a look and basically told me that it might be cancerous. We don't know if it isn't, so we're going to take some blood work, and we would like to do a biopsy. Uh, but we also need to do surgery to get it out, obviously. Yeah. And I was under the impression that if you're going to do a biopsy anyway, just mm -hmm. do the surgery first and do the biopsy later. Yeah. So I'd rather not get cut open twice. <laughs> right. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. So there were, yeah, that's about, that's about that's it. Thus far. Yeah. Wow. Pretty much. Yeah. And, um, how, how have people's reactions been? Like how people received it when you tell them usually? Um, pretty, a, a lot, a lot of concern. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of concern. Um, typically when, when I, I mean, when I told my parents, my mom was like, what do you need? We'll sell our car. 
we'll come down here like right this minute to get down to you. And I'm like, mom, I don't have a date for this surgery. Yeah, right. Like, like it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. But whoa. <laughs> right. Um, and like when I told you, I was a little bit freaking out a little bit, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, typically a, a lot of concern. Yeah. Um, yeah. Does the concern make you more concerned or is it like comforting? Um, it's a little bit of both sometimes, um, especially when, when it gets brought up that it may be malignant, like we don't know if it is, Right. but, um, just kind of thinking about that. Oh no, it might be cancer. Yeah. And not knowing. Yeah. It's a little scary. Being in that in between. I mean, that's the most miserable point of any struggle is not the unknown. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the huge thing, honestly, when, when this thing started first started we were like what is it like is is it is it really a tumor is it something weird going on with with my uterus with my ovary like we didn't know right what it was so to know at least that it is a cyst of some sort helps that is (laughs) true now you can kind of hang on the knowledge that you do have rather than being completely lost and not yeah exactly yeah um Okay, so how I so for the way that I talk about you to other people is usually like Audrey's very reserved and she's very calm, so it's kind of hard to tell unless you're in person with her how something <laughs> makes her feel. Yeah. So my uh, you did call me one time pretty shaken up, probably the most shaken up I've heard you over the phone ever. And so I was just kind of curious how you have been doing with getting this information when you're getting it. How do you process it in your mind? Because you really, like, when you told me the first time, it was not the same conversation as the one you were super nervous, but you were like, oh, I kind of have this cyst, and it's really painful, but it's not a big deal. (laughs) And I was like, oh, it's kind of a big deal. It's kind of a big deal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's kind of a, I don't, it's kind of a funny thing to ask you about that, because I try to not worry about it, like, ever. Yeah. Because if you stress about things, all kinds of bad crap happens, like, inside and outside of your body. Yeah, that's true. So, I really try hard not to worry about it, because um, it makes other people worry even more. Yeah. And as long as, I feel like as long as I can be pretty calm and reserved about it, nobody's going to freak out that badly. Yeah. Um. So, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I just, that's kind of how I've always been. It is true. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I just kind of take things as they come and be like, okay, that's a thing. Yeah. What now? <laughs> okay, I can absorb this information. Yeah. You're not in denial about it. You're no. just very calm about it when, like, everyone else is freaking <laughs> out, <laughs> which is very you. That is... Yeah. That's the thing I'm most worried about with you coming into the situation was that people wouldn't understand the severity of the situation because you would be like, oh, it's not a big deal, you know? Yeah, I really try hard not to. And a lot of it, too, I think, is that um, I I have a tendency to avoid attention. So I feel like if I freak out in some way, people will be like, oh, wow, like, there she goes again. Yeah. That kind of a thing, which it happens a lot on social media, and I just don't want to be that person. Yeah, I get that. So. I know, and but honestly, with you, if you have a meltdown, there's not one person I know that would be like, oh, Audrey's throwing a tantrum. <laughs> you know? Well, I don't know that. <laughs> so. That's true. And it's yeah. part of my social anxiety thing, too, so there you go. That's true. I know that. Um, so what has been your biggest blessing so far, do you think, through this process? Um, support. Yeah. From friends and family, for sure, I would say. Um, we haven't had a ton of, uh, luck as far as the medical field has come. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, I mean, it is what it is. But even really just to know that there are enough people out there who are willing to help in some way, shape, or form has been seriously amazing. Yeah, and knowing... So... Well, I want to talk first about how you said about the medical field. Like, what's the situation right now? Um, You guys don't have health insurance. Right. And so you're looking at paying a $40,000 bill 
out of cash, basically, right? So what they what the hospital told me was that if I was gonna pay cash, um, they needed half up front, and the total bill for just the hospital is about thirty one thousand okay. um, dollars. They estimated the doctor bill, which is separate because they're not part of the hospital; they're they're a physician. Okay. Um, was about sixty five thousand. And the anesthesia was about fifteen thousand, or so fifteen hundred. I'm sorry, fifteen hundred, sixty-five hundred. Sorry. Oh, okay, okay, I see. Yeah. So we're looking at forty thousand. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, wait a second. Yeah. No, I. Sorry, that was my bad. It's no, been a work day. I know. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, and so they wanted half up front. In, in cash, like either on a credit card or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then they wanted the rest of it 30 days later. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I don't know very many people who just have $40,000 in right. the bank. We sure don't. Right. Well, um, your husband just got through college. Mm-hmm. You haven't gotten your bachelor's yet. No. Nope. And you're just both working as hard as you can. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, we have a tiny two-bedroom apartment in... Arizona. Arizona, yeah. Cheapest place to live. Yeah, exactly. And we we have two ferrets, no children, thank goodness. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like we're spending tons of money. Right. We're just trying to get through life. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, and then, um, so I asked him about a payment plan because I figured that's what hospitals do, right? Right. Um, and she told me that the total price of everything would double. If Double. that was the case. Okay. Yeah. So cool. it would go from 40000 to about 80000 Oh, my god. And then we can do payment plans off of that. Would, would there be interest accruing through that? So would it start at sixty, and then if it took you two years to pay off sixty, um, like, there would be interest on top of it? I don't know. I didn't actually ask. Um, I kind of just choked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, get that. And was like, okay, Not I think we're done that. here. So, yeah. so I, I didn't ask, unfortunately. I, yeah. Yeah. So you haven't set the surgery appointment yet because you can't pay in thirty days. For exactly. All of that. Okay. Yeah. That um, makes sense. Yeah. The other option that they gave me was to try and find medical insurance. Yeah. Um, which. I don't know who writes these rules, but um, we hadn't had insurance for three years because of, of my job. Yeah. Um, I had medical insurance when I, when I first got to Utah because it was part of the employee benefits. Yeah. Um, but then I got fired and all of that fun stuff. Um, yeah. So we didn't have medical insurance because we couldn't afford it. Because um, after that, I was out of work for six months. Oh, my gosh. So there was that. Um and three years without insurance somehow makes a difference for your insurance. Now. Yeah, and they were like, okay, well, you're not, um, you're not, uh, what do you call it? You're, well, <laughs> I'm trying to help, but no, I Oh, you're fine. <laughs> um, qualified. Oh, okay. They were not qualified for any insurance oh except God. for a little tiny, like, like seriously, teeny tiny medical insurance company um and it doesn't really matter who they are but their benefits would only cover 60 percent of the surgery okay which would leave us with the other 40 mm-hmm. but since it would have been the price for the insurance company not the cash price mm-hmm. it would have probably been more than the sixty thousand. Wow, really? Because the hospitals pad their bills Mm -hmm. so that they can earn money while getting insurance companies to pay. So I don't know what that price would have been because we don't have health insurance. Yeah. But even paying 40% of $65,000 is absurd. You're basically, you would basically be paying the same as if you didn't have insurance at all. Exactly. Okay, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and the next time we would have been available for the big national health insurances that would cover more than that. Uh, I'm not not available until November, and the plans won't start until January. Okay. And um, I know that the cyst has grown since you first found it. Is it still growing? Are you able to like get it checked out to see 
if it's growing super fast, if you can even wait till January, um, how dangerous is it to wait a few months? I don't feel like it would be horribly dangerous. Okay, um, I, I can't tell if it's been growing ridiculously fast from what I can see. Yeah. I have not gone back for a checkup yet. Okay. Because um, you have to take those out of your pocket, too. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that visit, since he, I don't know if he helped me out or anything like that, but yeah. the visit was not expensive. Oh, that's good. So he probably did because getting an ultrasound alone, which I don't know if it's an ultrasound that you've got, but uh, I've only, you know, had a baby. And so getting an <laughs> ultrasound, I know that they charge you extra just for the use of the machine, you know? Yeah, he didn't that time. Um, it was very inexpensive. I think he just charged me for for a check exam, a checkup, yeah. That's fantastic. So that was that was also a good blessing. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, okay, so now that we know a little bit about your situation, like you were saying, the outpouring of support that you've had, I think it's, I don't know if this has been your experience, but for you guys, I really feel like you are a very quiet person. Your husband's not. He's like a social butterfly. Yes. <laughs> but still, for you, I feel like, you probably thought going into this that you had like your immediate family's going to support you, a couple of your friends, and and I think that you guys have really had so many people that just know you and maybe that you might not have even realized how much people love you mm -hmm. and you know want to make sure that you're going to be okay through this. Yeah, it's been pretty amazing. Yeah, I think that that's really something. Just seeing how many, and it's not. We have a GoFundMe, but it's not even just donations. It's just people telling you, like, we love you. We're here for you. We'll do whatever we can. Yeah. You know, offering to bring you dinner and stuff. It's mm -hmm. just, it's really wonderful to see, to see that. Because I think uh, you and I kind of have certain um, similar social anxieties. And I think that we often tell each other, tell ourselves, like, oh, people don't like me for X, Y, Z. And so yeah. I just think it's been really wonderful to see how many just loving people there have been through this process. It's true, yeah, and it's, <laughs> I hate social anxiety, it's awful, but, yeah. <laughs> like, almost every night I'll usually end up going to bed and wondering if my friends actually like me or if they're just being nice, Yeah. you know? <laughs> like, even my family sometimes, I'll just be like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Oh my gosh, what if they hate me now? Kind of yeah. a thing, so... It's really, really encouraging to know that there are people who care enough to to help in, yeah. in some way. So Yeah, I feel that way too. I had a friend who I think she now sees me as fragile because her phone broke one day and we went 24 hours where I was like texting her. We were supposed to hang out and she wasn't texting me back and she wasn't answering my phone calls. So <laughs> I came up with like four really good reasons why she wasn't talking to me, why she would be mad at me. And I felt so awful. And so when I finally caught up with her the next day, and she's like, oh, yeah, my phone's broken. And I was like, oh, oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah, oh, my gosh. You know. Yeah. She, yeah, so now I feel like she really, like, her phone has broken a couple times now. And every time she'll, like, make sure as soon as her phone breaks to, like, have a friend text me or something so that I know she doesn't hate me. Yeah. And I'm like, now that it's happened once, I understand that phones break. You yeah. know, that that's a thing that can happen. But, um, yeah, I, I really can, it's not just, oh, are people just pretending to like me because I'm socially awkward? It's like, I can find legitimate reasons why people, each person individually could hate me, yep. you know? And just, just pretend to be nice about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so, and it makes it a lot easier to take anything, even if it's not a snipe comment or rude or anything, it's easy to take it hard because you already think that they hate you. you yeah, know? and I mean, even even at the time, if it doesn't feel like it's snide or anything that later, you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, they hate me. That's yeah. why they said that. <gasps> what did I do? Right. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. ridiculous. It so. is. It's so annoying. I've gotten a lot better about it. Um, I have. <laughs> well, moving to Washington really made me grow up a little bit, because I did make a big group of friends really quickly there, um, and I was a mess, like an emotional wreck, because every time I'd hang out with them, I'd at least once to each person in the group say something that made me hate myself a little bit. Mm -hmm. 
And um, I would call my sister, who's a social butterfly, and she would be like, no, I mean, if you're uncomfortable, just mention it to them. And so later, when we were hanging out another time, I'd be like, I'm really sorry I said this. I sounded like an idiot. And they would be like, oh, my gosh, no way, because I thought because I said this that I sounded like an idiot. <laughs> and so it made me really realize that yeah. it's really helped ease that anxiety a little bit because I'm like, okay, no one's perfect, and most people are so focused on the stupid words coming out of their own mouth, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that they don't catch the stupid words coming out of mine. <laughs> no, no, yeah, and it's really nice to know that we're not the only people who think this way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. It's wonderful. Yeah. So, yeah, we've always had each other to, I think, lean on in those times of I'm an idiot and <laughs> I don't know how to talk to humans. Um, but it's nice having a group of friends that, like, kind of know that, Sometimes. Sometimes you can be kind of an idiot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll love you anyway. And I yeah. feel like in Arizona, I think it's really glad that you guys just moved here to go through this because this was always where your support system was. Yeah. And I think it helps you because you do have that group of friends here that mm-hmm. know you well enough that you're not super hyper worried about every little thing that you say. Yeah. You've got enough to worry about right now. You don't need social anxiety on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, okay, so I think we've already, I think we've already touched on this a little bit, but I like my next question was like, how do you stay so positive when you don't have answers? But do you feel like we've already fully covered that, or do you? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, honestly, it's really just the support system. Yeah. Um, it's it's I I just try and take things in stride. Like, it's so hard to just constantly worry about things. And I did that for a very long time, and I kind of do in the back of my mind. But I always try and find things to take my mind off of it. I'll draw, I'll write, I'll text my friends, I'll post stupid GIF comments (laughs) in in our group chats or whatever. But something, I'll work. That's mainly why I work is to keep my mind on other things instead of whatever I'm dwelling on. Yeah. So. And you told me earlier about, well, and I've known about the situation, but it's just one of my favorite support system stories of your trials right now is the day that you called me and you were nearly in tears (laughs) and you were really freaking out. And I was like, well, and, and you really weren't because you really did sound calm but for some reason, I knew you weren't okay, you know, and I, I said, Audrey, please don't go home and be by yourself, because I know you, and that's mm-hmm. exactly what you that's were exactly about to what do. what I was about to do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was like, don't be by yourself right now. Call someone, anyone, I don't care. And if that person's busy, do it to, like, call another friend. And you did, mm-hmm. and... I, I'm just really glad that you did. Do, I don't know. Do you tell your side of that story? Sure, yeah. Um. So... I just gotten the call back from our doctor who told me it might be malignant. We need mm-hmm. you to go and see a cancer specialist. And I kind of, I had a cousin who died years ago from cancer. Yeah. So to kind of hear it come back, I was like, oh my gosh, am I going to die now too? Like yeah. it was a little bit scary. Um, so yeah, I, I called you and I was just like, what do I do? Like, I just need to tell someone because my husband was out of town for a conference. Yeah. So I was literally by myself right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I called you and thank goodness you told me yeah. <laughs> to go out and do something. Um, because yeah, I would have just laid on the couch and rolled up in a, in a, in a bundle and not done anything. And that probably would have made everything worse. Yeah. Um, but I did, I texted one of my friends. She lives in Scottsdale okay. and works in Scottsdale. So that's like an hour away. Yeah, it's very far from where we are. And I texted her and I was like, hey, I really need your help. Like, is there any way you can meet me? This is kind of what's going on. And she was like, yes, I'll be there in, I can meet you in Tempe Marketplace in 20 minutes. And I was like, hold on, don't you work? And she's like, yeah, it's cool. I get off in like 30 minutes. But I told my supervisor what's going on. And she said, go. So I was like, okay, I'm going. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, gosh. <laughs> so, yeah, so I literally threw on some clothes and some makeup and met her there. And we spent the whole day hanging out at Tempe Marketplace. And it was, it was pretty amazing. I mean, she's a grown woman with her own career and everything. And, yeah, like, 
30 minutes away even yeah. or more, especially in rush hour traffic. Right. At the end of the day. And, yeah, exactly. And she was willing to just drop everything come see me. Just, I mean, it's just amazing because I was worried that, I know. <laughs> I know. I was trying not to cry through that, too. It really, I was just so worried talking to you on the phone. I was worried, first of all, that you were going to completely ignore me mm-hmm. and be like, I know that I should probably see someone, but I don't want anyone to see me emotional, so I'm just going to stay home yeah. and deal with it myself because that is not out of your... It's not. It, would, it was something that I had done, but there was something that just pushed me out the door. Yeah, I really think that it was so, so important. And so when you texted me and said, I'm on my way to meet my friend at Tempe Marketplace... I, like, <laughs> I was like, okay, oh, good, because <laughs> I just couldn't have, and I'm states away, I'm on, you know, I'm in Washington, so there was no otherwise I would have been here, you know, and I just felt powerless, and I was like, if Audrey's going to be at home alone, and if she doesn't listen to me, there's nothing I can do to help, you know, and it really hurt, and it was really scary, <laughs> and so when you texted me that you're meeting someone, I just... It just made me so relieved and so happy because you really needed that then. That is, it's really not an easy thing. And Carson did pass away. It was really not that long ago. Mm -mm. And it is something that everyone is still hurt about and so sad because he, I mean, he was too good for this world. He was. He was, and he was so young. Yeah. It's just crazy. It's just insane. And so, and I've met. Random people, like especially in Arizona, actually, I don't think I met anyone in Washington, but through the years of living in Arizona, when people found out my husband was from Thatcher, every single person that knew about Thatcher has been like, oh, do you know a guy named Carson? (laughs) It's like, yeah, Mm -hmm. he's my cousin, and I know he's amazing, and a couple people I had to deliver the news to, you know? Oh, gosh, that's hard. And it's not as hard for me as for, you know? Yeah, for them, yeah, for sure. But just, and Kurt was in tech school when Mm -hmm. Carson passed away, and watching him, or it might have even been basic training, but watching him Oh, you know what, it was basic. Yeah, he had just joined the military, Mm -hmm. which means it was eight years ago, and it just... It was hard for me because I had I had only met Carson a few times, mm-hmm. and it was after like he didn't he was already missing one of his legs, you right. know, and so he was a super strong person, but I didn't know that he was a football player and that he was the big man on campus that everyone was just in love with him, yep. you know, and so I kind of got into that relationship knowing Carson has cancer, it's not under control yet. But for Kurt and for you guys watching everyone go through that, I can't even imagine the fear that must have hit you that day when you're like, wait, cancer doesn't really run in my family. It's one person had cancer. Mm -hmm. This can't, it's not cancerous. And then for your doctor to be like, oh, well, it might be cancerous. Yeah. It's like, yeah. What? It was a little. We know how quickly cancer can get out of control. Mm -hmm. You know, we've seen it and yeah. So I, I do just think that I, – I think that if you had stayed home that night, it just – you would have gone insane. I think I would have. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think there would have been a way for you to stay positive because how do you get those thoughts out, out of – like under control? They just – yeah, it, it would have spiraled, and I know I would have tried to hide behind like a Disney movie or something like mm-hmm. that, which is good in all of itself. But it would have been super temporary, and as soon as it was over, like, I still have to go to bed right. at night. and still have to figure out how to fall asleep. Yeah, and so, oh, yeah, yeah, that wouldn't have helped too much. Yeah, so. so thank heaven for good friends who, yes, yeah, no matter how busy they are, we're able to drop. Because we were also talking about how being an adult means that you can't always drop everything you're doing for the people that you love and who might need you, you know? Right. But sometimes people can and do. And I just, I really want to try to be that person more often Mm -hmm. because it really can make such a huge difference. Yeah. And honestly, I would have been happy probably with just a phone call. You know, like, this is what's going on. I really need some help. And she would have been like, okay, I get off work in 30 minutes. 
I can meet you in Tempe Marketplace in an hour. Yeah. And that kind of thing. And that would have been amazing by itself. Right. So I would not have been upset by any stretch if she had told me that. Yeah. It's true. That, and even just the gesture that it was 30 minutes sooner, Mm -hmm. just, you know, that she went out of her way and I don't know, that just speaks so loudly of how much she loves you and just amazing. I love that. Yeah. Um, so what would you say that you need from people right now? I know that it doesn't sound like you've had too many bad experiences with reactions. You haven't had people minimize your issues or tell you how you're doing things wrong, which mm-hmm. is really good. Um, but what do you think, what do you hope from people when you tell them things or anything? Um, I think a big part of it, at least for me, would be acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. Like this is a thing that's happening to you and it's scary, but we're glad that you're doing something about it. Yeah. and want to help and maybe they can and that's awesome yeah. um, or even if they can't it's like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to support you as best as I can Right. I love prayers. you, prayers yeah and I know yeah. people make fun of thoughts or prayers all the time Yeah. but <laughs> for a religious person it, it can be a big deal it can be and um, so I think a lot of it is just acknowledgement where people like you said are not minimizing what's going on right now Yeah. it's like oh it's just a cyst Calm down. Like, right. You're fine. You can eat. It's not a big deal. Yeah. And um, what? And part of it too is probably that I tell them right off. It's 12 by 8 centimeters. I can feel it under my skin. Yeah. Like you can it is, see it when you lay back. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's there. I know it's there, and it's not a thing in my head. Yeah. Um, which is what I have actually been told before. Oh gosh. So, <laughs> and it's not just. Because there's a difference between this cyst and, like, um, what is it called? There's a there's a syndrome where there are cysts, ovarian oh, cysts. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what it's called either, but I know that they get them, like, often. Yeah, and yeah. they're small, and they pop, and when they pop, they're excruciating, even, uh-huh. like, the little tiny ones. Yep. And so um, people, like, I was afraid that when you told people about it, they would be like, Oh, yeah, every, like, so many people have that right now. It's an epidemic, you know? Yeah, and actually the uh, the gynecologist I saw told me, it's like, yeah, these, these they do happen. Yeah. However, <laughs> yours is an interesting case because it's just not stopping. Like, it just yeah. keeps growing. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which I think gives you a little bit of strength in your struggle. So that if people do try to minimize your situation, you can tell them, this is why my situation is different. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a cyst. It's not a tumor. I thought it was a tumor because it is so big. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not a tumor. But it's also not a cyst. It's a, it's a, a weird monstrosity <laughs> is what it is. <laughs> and you're a tiny person. So yeah. having, yeah, this massive cyst in your tummy is, like, I can't even imagine the, the displacement it's putting on your organs. You yeah, know? it's been pretty interesting. Like, I, I had started noticing pretty early on that I was having issues with bowel movements. Okay. Um, and I was having diminished appetite. Yeah. Like, I just wasn't feeling good and for, for whatever reason. And, of course, my philosophy, suck it up. You yeah. know, take some pain pills and go to work. Yeah. Um, which may not have been the best idea, but I don't know what else I would have done or anything else. Um, but, yeah, I know seven periods have gotten super irregular. Um, I've been – one time I was almost two and a half months late. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and it's been super, super weird. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it, it really is. And so I'm glad that you were actually able to come see a doctor that was trusted by your family when you guys moved to Arizona because, I yeah, for the longest time, you had kind of talked about it before, and you're like, I'm kind of having stomach pains. I think I might have found a lump. Not, like just nonchalant and it was mm-hmm. like okay we'll figure out what that is at some point yep and then not only to find out yes you do have a lump yes it's bigger than 
any other cyst really should be, mm-hmm. and for the doctors to be concerned and then to be looking into cancer, it's just one thing after another. It's worst case scenario. It's yeah, it's been great. Yeah, <laughs> but hopefully you guys will be coming towards the end of it soon. If, yeah. Um, hopefully it only takes one surgery and all goes well, and then this was a huge learning process for you, and you became stronger, you know, for yourself through this. But right now, you're still in the middle of it, and that's yeah. the hardest place to be, really. It really is. Yeah. It really is. Um, so I know you're not at the end of this trial yet, but is there something, is there, is there anything you wish anyone would have said or done earlier, or not you, not anything you did wrong, but words of support you wish you had heard or uh, active service or anything that you wish would have been different? <laughs> All I can think of is something I could have done different. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that that's where you were going to go. Yeah. Um, for other people. I think, honestly, the biggest thing, would, at least for me, would have been for people to not tell me that it's in my head. Yeah. Because that, that was a thing. I mean, not very many people told me that, but enough did where I was like, okay, maybe it is. Like, am I just imagining these things because I hate my job? Like, what's right. going on? Or am I just a baby? And, yeah, exactly. And this isn't really painful. Just chalk it up to bad period cramps. Yeah, or exactly. Yeah, and that was another thing I, I told myself as well. Maybe it's just an early PMS or something. Like, I would always check my phone because I have a little calendar on my phone that tells me when my period's coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of usually when they tend to get worse, the pains. during yeah. um, that time, obviously. Um, so I think I think a lot of it was just being told that it was in my head kind yeah. of a thing. Like, yeah, I'm hurting, and it doesn't necessarily mean that there is something physical there, but the point is that I'm hurting. Right. And something is wrong and something needs to be done about it. Yeah. Whether it's uh, talking to somebody about it, actually seeing a doctor and them telling me, hey, you're doing fine, but here's some pain pills or something. We'll do a checkup in another week. Whatever. Exactly. But I, I didn't get that. Yeah. So that was hard. Well, and it's true. I, my, I just figured maybe you weren't going to the doctor in Utah because, first of all, you didn't know who to go to. Second of all, you didn't have health insurance. And, you know, you guys weren't quite as set up there. You were – Aaron had a job, but it was not paying him as well as it is now. And you had a job, but not super consistently. It got rough there for a few months. It did. And it seemed like as soon as things balanced out a little bit, you found a lump. Mm-hmm. It was pretty immediate after you got the job that you stuck with there and yeah and so I just figured how are you supposed to go to the doctor through all of that yeah and I mean we were going to be moving in I think when we very specifically said there is something there and it needs to be checked out we were moving in two months right like there was really no time for me to find a doctor and get through my initial checkup and then find a gynecologist and then if they had referred me to a cancer specialist, would I have been down here anyway? Because right. this is where the major cancer centers are, is in Arizona. It's true. So, yeah, I don't know. I do think it worked. The timing worked out how it was supposed to. But I think it's super damaging, and it's something to take with you for the future, that if someone's going through something, even if it sounds like they're just whining, maybe to try to have supportive words and say, you know, if it's this big of a problem, maybe you should try to get in to see a doctor. Because worst case scenario, the doctor's like, no, I can't find anything, you're fine. But it is super harmful to be in physical pain Mm -hmm. and know your body and know that something's wrong. And for people to tell you, well, you you should just get over it. Like women go through period cramps. Mm -hmm. You're not the only one who's struggling with this. Yeah. It's just not fair. To tell anyone that, it doesn't matter your standpoint on it. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, that's really the biggest thing I think that would have made things easier for me is to have the people who would be like, you're in pain, we don't know why, 
but here's something that might be able to help. Or even if it's just, if it's just like, hey, listen, I have a good doctor who I would love to take you to see, right. and I'll go with you kind of a thing. Yeah. Say, the same friend who met me at Tempe Marketplace also told me, if you need to see a gynecologist, I told her before this, all this happened. Mm-hmm. Um, if you need to see somebody, I will go with you. Like, just name a date and a time, and I will drive from Scottsdale to here yeah. and go with you to that appointment if you need to. That, so yeah, even that would have yeah. been amazing. Right. <laughs> that friend is amazing. Keep that person because <laughs> that is my favorite thing. I had a friend who was struggling to get pregnant, and she was kind of scared of mm-hmm. doctors. And she came – I asked her to come with me to a doctor's appointment one time. And she did, and I know it's not really allowed, but while we were sitting there, I was like, I have some questions about my friend's body. <laughs> and she started bawling. <laughs> she started bawling, um, but she was able to ask a couple questions. The nurse was allowed to answer, but then it got her to schedule that appointment, and she asked me to go with her mm-hmm. to her appointment. And I just think that sometimes the biggest thing is that it's scary enough that you're going through something. Mm-hmm. Being in that cold doctor's office, waiting for however long, first in a waiting room and then in an empty room, yep. is so vulnerable and scary. And if you can just offer to go with someone to a doctor's appointment, especially a gynecologist, I can see why people might not because it's awkward. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable. But at the same time, if you're the person, in, at least for me, and I have little to no boundaries, but <laughs> if I'm the person that's freaked out and someone offers to come to a gyno appointment with me, my answer is always, yes, please stand at my head, you know, like hold my hand, be there with me. Um, because it is scary. And yes. sometimes all of the difference in the world is having a person standing there with you, mm-hmm. no matter what is going on. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So that's amazing. I will probably want to maybe do another one with you in the future and when we sure. know a little bit more. I just, I really am, I mean, I think you know you're in all of our prayers, but um, you're gonna, you're doing great. I think it's really amazing that you are so strong and you're a very focused person that you're able to say, it will not help me to stress about this right now. In fact, it will hurt your body mm-hmm. if you spend a lot of time stressing about it and be able to compartmentalize that. Sometimes you can have moments of stress because you also can't just bottle it down, which sometimes you and your brother do. Well, yes. You'll take your emotions and push them down and push them down, and you never stop feeling them, and that's also really bad for you. Mm-hmm. So I think being able to know this stress is here, but it's not absorbing every thought in my mind. Mm-hmm is really wonderful and that's where you need to be right now and if you weren't I would be way more worried about you (laughs) which I already am worried about you so (laughs) I'm already calling you and asking you tons of questions every time I see you just to make sure that you're not doing that but it really feels like you are being super in tune with your feelings and you're able to take this with stride and wait for answers and when you get the answers you're communicating about them rather than just freaking out on your own yeah so uh, do you okay sorry I thought this was going to end now but (laughs) do you feel like this trial has helped you talk more about issues or is that something you had already been getting better about I think it's helped um I I, I'd never really notice that I was this much of a private person like I don't like to talk about my issues yeah mainly because I just felt like I was being an attention whore and I didn't want to (laughs) ever feel like I was that way yeah um because I've known people who are and it's super irritating and I just didn't want to be that person um but knowing that there were people who were this involved with me knowing about this and needing those answers Mm -hmm. where I've been like, okay, they need to know this because they're my family. They need to know what's going on. Um, so it's kind of helped me talk, I think quite a bit more about my issues, um, which has been super nice. 
Because, yeah. yeah, I do bottle things up, and they they have just stayed inside until either I broke or yeah. until they festered and I just got angry. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I really think that this has helped in some weird yeah. way that I, I would not have expected, but here yeah. we are. <laughs> and I do know that that's what trials are for, but I don't think I expected it to change that in you either, but it really... When you told me you had a lump, I kind of was a little bit surprised that you were sharing that with me. I was glad that you were, but also with you, sometimes I never knew if you were going to share something with me or if you were going to keep it bundled. And sometimes we've known each other for years and years, and there would be times where I could tell there was something that you weren't talking about. Mm -hmm. And I never really even felt comfortable to ask you what it was because you are a private person and I never wanted to make you feel violated or pressed upon Mm -hmm. or forced to open up, you know? Mm -hmm. But then often when you did finally open up to me about things, it was kind of two words. Like, you would just get out just enough so that I would know what was going on, but you wouldn't talk about it. Yeah. And I'd be like, okay, I'm I'm really glad that you opened up to me and I love you. But this has been, you called me when you found a lump. You called me when, well, I called you one time between then mm-hmm. to ask, you know, what's going on? Have you, you know, and, and I felt more comfortable doing that because you called me to tell me about it. Then I felt like you were okay with me asking you questions because yeah. you had opened up to me in the first place. But it just has been, it has been such an amazing thing to see you be more comfortable telling people, this is what's going on in my life. This is really hard. And this is what I need. You know, I I really love that. And I really hope that that continues beyond just this trial in your life. Yeah. And, and you've seen it because when you do I know you posted about it on Facebook and I know you were miserable to have have done that. But it really it made a difference because you had people that didn't know about it mm-hmm. and that probably would have been so sad later on if they had found out about it and you hadn't told them mm-hmm. because people want to be here for you and they want to support you and Sometimes you just have to give them that opportunity. Yeah, it's like on Fiddler on the Roof when, um, I don't remember his name, but he was like the super young Jewish kid who had just come to town. He had nothing, like nothing to eat or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And he wouldn't take Tevye's bread or cheese because he didn't have any money to give him. Right. And he was like, no, it's a blessing for me to give. Yeah. Just as it is a blessing for you to receive. Um, So true. So it's... (laughs) It's it's been definitely a learning experience. Like, it's okay to tell people about your problems, and maybe mm-hmm. they'll just skip over it on Facebook. Right. Whatever. It ends up happening. It's fine. Yeah. But for people to know and understand that there's something going on in my life, and to reach out to me in whatever way that they end up doing, even if it's just like, look, I shared your post. That's yeah. all I could do. That's fine. Honestly, if it were me, I probably would have just shared it and moved on, too. Yeah. So, which kind of sucks, but... (laughs) It doesn't, though, because um, I don't know if we've talked about this in the podcast, but we were talking about it earlier. As Yeah, we did. We talked about this in the podcast. As an adult, sometimes you can only do what you can do. Exactly. And some people can just share a post. And it's even really sweet of them to say, hey, I shared your post, Mm -hmm. because then you know they read it, they're thinking of you, mm-hmm. that you're in their heart, and they cared enough to then share it with other people. Yeah. So that more people can know know about your situation and be here to support you. Exactly. And going back a tiny bit, um, but I think the, the biggest blessing, I feel like, yeah. was when I received the news, Aaron was gone. Yeah. So it was just me in the house, and I knew I needed to tell some. I needed to talk to somebody about this because I was freaking out. Yeah. And it was really, really hard. So I ended up calling you first. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Ryan's super open about everything. Yeah. She won't she, like. She will answer whatever it is. Like she'll she'll answer for me. So that's why I called you first. I love that. And mm-hmm. I I also knew that if I called my mother, she would have 
freaked out. Sold the car so and bad. flown to Arizona in a yes, full second. Yeah. Exactly. She was like, We're pretty sure that the car is worth about this much, whatever. And I'm like, Mom, yeah. we don't even have a surgery date. Like, come yeah. yeah. Whereas you, I knew you would just listen to me and be like, I'm sorry, I'm going through this. I want to help. How can I help you? That kind yeah. of thing. So that I think that was the biggest thing because I couldn't just go to Eric and be like, I think it's right. cancer. In the middle of, so he was there for work. He was doing something he needed to do. Yep. And it, it would have been super hard to get a text message. Oh, hey, babe, I might have cancer. Yeah, While you're exactly. away. Yeah. 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 That is horrible. Yeah. So yeah. I think that was a really funny hidden blessing. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. <laughs> I think that that is so wonderful. I had a thing to say, but I forgot it. So okay. it must not have been that important. But <laughs> I, I do agree. I'm really, I feel super blessed that you called me and that you knew that, like, I love being an open person. Mm-hmm. I'm an open book and anyone can ask me anything and I'm going to answer, you know? So I, I love that you called me because it just made me feel like you trusted me and it really, I, I would have been really heartbroken to have found out that there was a day that you were in pain and I didn't know about it. You know, it's hard. We grew up, even when we we were friends really young, didn't talk to each other for years, and then I married your brother. Um, <laughs> Weird story. But we always lived so close to each other. Yeah. So it was really hard when you guys moved to Utah, and then after that I moved to Washington, and you guys moved back to Arizona, mm-hmm. and um, and so it's hard enough that we're states away from each other, and I feel powerless when, even if you're PMSing, and I don't get to take <laughs> you out to do something, and, yeah. you know, let you rant on how everyone sucks, um, <laughs> so the fact that you're going through probably the biggest trial of your life so far, and maybe not, I don't know, you've gone through some big trials but (laughs) this is a big trial and it's hard to not be here for you and I know that's how mom's feeling I know that she would probably feel I she just got to be here which is wonderful Mm -hmm. but she would probably have flown out if she wasn't coming for the family reunion oh yeah she would have I know she would have because and not just because you need her here because I know that it was probably healing to be able to be with her but because she needs that yep she being our mother, when we're going through something and she states away, that kills her, yeah. you know? And so I'm I'm just glad that I was able to come visit, that she was able to come visit, and it just kind of worked out mm-hmm. because it is exactly like Fiddler on the Roof where it doesn't bless, just bless you, it blesses all the people around you who love you and want to feel like we're doing something, you know, yeah. <laughs> and sucks yeah. feeling powerless and feeling scared, and um, and we just want you to know how loved you are and how important the, your situation is to us. And yeah. it's really, really good. Yeah. It's very so, humbling. Yeah. Good. I'm glad. And I'm glad you're in Arizona with the support system while you're going through this. Same. Same. Anyway, thank you so much for sitting down and doing this with me. Sure. You were so cool about it. I don't know <laughs> if I were going through this that I would be willing to have it be recorded and talk all about it, but I appreciate it because... Oh, well, I just figured somebody might need to hear it. I agree, and that's kind of how I feel about my life trials. I've talked about it already on this podcast enough, but people need to hear what we're going through because they might be going through something similar, and especially because you used to be a closed-off person, hearing someone with social anxiety say, guess what, it actually helps to say, hey, life sucks right now. I love you. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. (laughs) On social media. (laughs) It it helps to to have that freedom to do that if you need to. Yeah, yeah. You're amazing. Thanks. And, yeah, thank you. And I don't know how to end this, so bye.